Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jesse Moore, and welcome to Icon Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Icon Leadership Podcast. Today on the show, we have uh, Mr. Andre Watkins. Andre is the CEO and owner of uh, Seven Piece Solutions uh, LLC, and also is an after-school program director at one of the schools here in Waco. Hey, Andre, man, how are you doing, brother? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Oh man, no problem. Tell me about uh, Seven Piece uh, Solutions. Uh, Seven Piece Solutions was uh, birthed out of having an opportunity to work for a nonprofit uh, restorative justice organization out of Austin, Texas called Life Anew, mm-hmm. of which I'm still very close with the founders and owners of that. Um, on the nonprofit side, I was writing uh, and facilitating a lot of training with school districts. Sure, sure. And uh, Life and I, Life Anew and I had a great relationship, and at the end of our relationship, I decided to go in business for myself and take the consulting business up another notch, which providing continuous support to schools that were forming behavior systems around restorative justice sure where you can't just replace uh, punitive systems with restorative justice but you have to have a combination of the two sure and we went into business creating systems that allow those things to integrate right. and to be more balanced in this approach okay I got you I got you. so you deal with a lot of a lot of young a lot of young kids well we're dealing with a lot of teachers and teachers. administrators okay. helping them to put systems in that is sustainable got it I get it okay I get it I get it. so how do you man so you have a lot of teachers that need to uh, need to buy in how do you get them to buy in on this I think experiential uh, learning yeah. and as well as sharing data where we've integrated those systems. Sure, sure. Uh, I started as a, uh, a an aide, uh-huh. actually, at the alternative school here in, in town yep. uh, some years ago. Sure. Uh, the things that I was doing as an aide, the principal who was there at the time said, that's pretty innovative. So let's look at expounding on that model instead of just putting these kids in here making them face the wall, right? giving them a bunch of papers that they're not going to do anyway. Right. It seems that when you interact with them, they get more work done, and you see results when they get back to the classroom. I got that. Tell yeah. me about your education. Okay. I'm a graduate of Liberty University mm-hmm. in Lynchburg, Virginia, currently enrolled in the master's program there. It's an excellent program for veterans as they have, you know, 40 percent tuition off of there. So shameless plug for my (laughs) college right there. Um, (laughs) After that, I ended up going to a school in Austin for project management, which was called ConsultingSolutions.net. Right. Uh, I felt the need to learn how to speak 
not only to educators, but to people in the business community about the work I was doing. Right. So I needed to know what exactly they were looking for. So I ended up going to that program also. Right. I got you. Okay. All right. So uh, tell me, when, when you hear about diversity, man, talk, talk, talk to me about diversity. Uh, diversity to me means just paying attention. Yeah. Um, we, we often try to put it in a box and make it to where we are looking at um, some magical unicorn of a thing. Right. That is often seems unobtainable. Right. But if you simply pay attention to the individuals and respect culture, not color, but right. culture. Right. Then you will be more diverse. You'll learn the home environment of the individuals that you work with and their backgrounds. Right. And you're able to respect and approach from that lens. Tell me, so how can you promote uh, diversity and equity and inclusion into your your your, your job field? Okay. I think that simply it starts with the administrators. It starts at the top. It's got to be a top-down approach. Right. When you're the type of leader that is able to sit in a meeting and take and receive input as well as disseminate your vision and plan, mm -hmm. then it sets up a culture of diversity because you're listening to the individuals that are working with you, and it's almost like the people that you work with are libraries unto themselves. Right. And you're allowed to pull volumes from each one of those libraries and then put them together and make your masterpiece. Right. If you lead from that lens, people feel like they are a part of the endeavor right. in what you're doing and they give their best efforts and there you have the diversity. Right. So so some people are saying that, uh, you know, that these DI, DEI programs are, are, are a joke. Tell me, man, what do you think about those? I think they can be powerful. Right. I also think they need to be simplified. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, they have those books that are all we needed to learn, we learned in kindergarten. Right. I feel like sometimes that is the easiest way and the most direct way to, to get diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. If we all look at that child self, we knew how to play kickball together. Right. We knew how to play tag. We played by the rules for the most part. Right. Yeah. Right. And we had a good time. Right. So if we look at a business endeavor the same way, if I'm looking across this table at you and I see a competent person sure. who has skills, who has knowledge, who has value, and mm -hmm. I treat you as such, then we will get to that magical unicorn world of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. Okay. So tell me about uh, this after school, you know, director we had a, an opportunity to get some some funds from the state of texas right a pretty substantial amount of money after school programs typically are in elementary primary mm -hmm. those age groups well this program goes all the way up to high school gotcha and we have a lot of kids that participate we have a competitive barbecue team we have a competitive Olympic rowing team in Waco, which was unheard of. Right, right. Uh, our barbecue team is going to state. Wow, wow. Rowing this team, is Texas. In Texas. <laughs> so our rowing team has its second regatta on April the 22nd out at Trading House Lake. Right, okay. Uh, so we're just introducing kids who may not play traditional sports. Mm -hmm. They may not be in the band. They may not be in the choir. But there's still room for them to come in and participate in new and innovative things that keep them from going home at the end of the day and just getting on the video game right. or getting on TikTok. Right. We're just expanding their horizons to this big, wide world that we have outside 
and there's an hour of tutorials that comes with that. Sure. So you got to punch your ticket first before you get to the fun stuff. Right, right. That's that, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So tell me, so you got a, a group of kids. You got black, white, Hispanic, you know, Asian. You, you have a whole bunch of them. So, so it, it, they are diverse. Mm-hmm. Man, how do you reach every one of those kids, man? And when I say that now, okay, look, so yeah, so they're they're diverse. They come from different backgrounds. Right. You know what I'm saying? How do you hit that? I got to evaluate. Yesterday I was at Rowan. Yeah. And uh, we have a young man who's a comedian, man. He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, but sometimes it hinders us from having practice. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things as the director, when I'm observing specific programs, I jump right in there. Right. So I told him, I said, hey, man, we're only going to be as good as you let us be. And he kind of had a serious look on his face. And I was like, I love the fact that you're engaging. Right. But I know you're telling these jokes because you're a little scared. This is new. Mm-hmm. Nobody in town is out here on these boats <laughs> on this river like we are. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. So this, it's your nerves. I said, I, I feel it. Man. Right, right. So once you, you observe and communicate. Right. Then you allow that to sink in for a little while. Don't look for an immediate reaction. Right. It doesn't work in the business world. It doesn't work anywhere, but we expect it to work with children. Right. We bark. They follow our commands. It, it, it didn't work with us. No, no, absolutely. Relationships work. That, that's the key right there. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how do you, how do you, okay, you see a kid that's, uh, that's over there that's kind of uh, standing off, you know, by itself. How do you bring him in the fold? Do you do you see him? You just you try to study him first. How do you do that? I usually ask him to do something mechanical. Uh, Sometimes work is the unspoken language that brings us together. Hmm. So if I need something assembled, if yeah. I need something moved, right, I will ask that student to help me with that. Right, that already gives them a sense of self-efficacy. That hey, this person asked me to do a task, I did it. I got praised and rewarded for that task. Right. So now they feel like, hey, I can do something where I, where the activity might have been daunting before. Right. That simple task of self-efficacy now brings them in and they're an integral part of what we're doing. Right. So in in, in education, man, so you, you have, you know, you have this diversity, equity, and inclusion. But, man, so tell me about your curriculum, if you have a curriculum. How diverse, how, how, do, how do you manage that curriculum that you have to, you know, you have to attend to? I never use canned presentations. Yeah. Uh, I always study where I'm going and who I'm presenting to. That's good. I use pop culture references that pertain to them. Right. Geographical references. Um, having grown up in a very diverse background, we went all the way from one extreme to the other in sure. my family. Yeah, right. I got you. It's allowed me to have the ability to flow. Right. So I, I don't use canned presentations. Right. How do you now? Now some teachers now there is man there is um, there there are some teachers out there that pick and choose their students. Okay. My mom was a school teacher. And my mom knew that I was terrible. I was a bad kid. But she also knew how kids were labeled. And she always told me that, I know you're bad, but they're not going to label you. Tell me about that. We we use that uh, bad label. Yeah. Because I probably could be considered that way once I got to junior high. Yeah. Elementary school, I was very reserved. Mm-hmm. In junior high, I think I kind of got bored. Uh, I needed more tactile engagement. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So I tend to challenge teachers to find out what engages that child because something does. Right. Uh, the same kids that we label are the same kids that master video games. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe tactile challenges is what they need. Uh, it, lecture style doesn't work for everybody. Right. And now we're in this age where we just give them a laptop and we put a lesson on there and we tell them learn it. But there's got to be a hybrid between lecture style and between online learning and maybe adding some tactile. If we're talking about an English lesson, well, let's help our students write a book on something they're interested in or write a short story. Right. Because that engages all areas of learning and it also allows them to express something they're interested in, which gives the teacher information. So now you know how to reach them. Right. If, right. if Mr. Moore is my student. Right. And he's interested in medicine. Right then I'm going to let him write about medicine. Right. I'm not going to try to make him write about Shakespeare. Right, right, right. Or I'm going to show him something where when they had the skulls in Shakespeare, can you compare this to something that you learned in your anatomy class? I'm right. going to engage Mr. Moore where he is instead of labeling. Right. So how do, so also you see kids are not like uh they're a whole lot different than when we were growing up, man. You have, they come in and they have the green hair, the purple hair, you know, they have the, the rings in the nose, which is okay. You know, I, I, I encounter that all the time, you know, at work and stuff like that. My, some of my employees and stuff like that. It's okay. But but tell me, how do you, you know, as, as a teacher, as an educator, how do you deal with that kind of stuff, you know? I went into an office when I was living in Austin. Uh, I had a part-time job working for Amazon. I went into the GoDaddy office. Mm -hmm. And the GoDaddy.com office, they were hitting volleyballs across the cubicles. It was all kind of stuff going on in there during the regular work day. It wasn't a party. Right. And I realized, I was like, man, you old, dude. <laughs> so when I engage that, I yeah. automatically say to myself, man, your flat top was exotic to your dad when you had it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Gumby cut, the Bobby Brown. You yeah, know, I, yeah. It was exotic to yeah. my dad. And my dad was always asking me, like, man, what is going on with your hair? But then the conkaline was exotic to somebody before him. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. I just look at it as a sign of the time. Right. Uh, I don't let the appearance throw me off yeah, because yeah. I used to. Yeah, I've learned yeah. not to let it throw me off. Yeah. And then I try to engage them in some kind of reference point where we can come together in the middle of the table. Yeah, right. And so you, you're absolutely right, man. I remember, man, you know, my grandfather was a minister, man, and I got a mohawk. <laughs> and my grandfather, man, this is back, man. I think I might have been like in middle school, man. And my grandfather, man, he would be up there preaching. He's just looking at me, you know, after service. He said, don't you ever do that again right there. So, yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a day and time yeah. for everything, you know. And so we can't. Uh, that's just a new generation. You know, mm -hmm. everything, something else. It'll be something else after a while. Absolutely. Um, but we will accept it. Yeah. You, we, we're going to have to accept it, you know. So, yeah. Tell me, how do you reduce, you know, race and, and gender barriers, you know, in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the education system. All right. My father, uh, Winfred Watkins, was a college professor at McLennan Community College for, for a long time, taught biology. Mm -hmm. So I tend to think about race and express race in this matter. We know race was created. We know that people's looks are different based on the heritage of where your people are from. 
If you lived in a colder climate, then you needed smaller nostrils and your hair needed to drape over the base of your uh, brainstem so that it wouldn't get too cold. Hmm. If you lived in a hotter climate, you needed bigger nostrils and your hair needed to stand up so that it can cool this meat computer that we call a brain. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Everything else was created. When you were in kindergarten, before you knew that you were black, you played with everybody. Absolutely. Just like the little kids played with you before they knew that they were another label. Absolutely. So once we break it down to that fundamental truth, because that's just truth. Mm -hmm. Then we start looking at people as people in this moment. We know there's been some atrocities. We don't throw that away. We don't act like it didn't exist because it did. Correct. Atrocities happened. And we are on Wednesday and Thursday mm -hmm. and Friday. So what are we going to do today to change where the needle is? Are we powerless? Do we cower in the face of all these systems and other things that are against us? Or do we work on neighbor to neighbor, teacher to student, student to teacher, how we're going to press forward and how we're going to change it? Right. So when I train, that is what I speak on. What do you have to say about to those people that don't want to change? How's that working out for you? Dr. Phil line. I mean, if if the most suspensions and the most referrals worked, yeah, yeah. those would be the greatest teachers in the universe. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah, right. So if that's not working, then why not try something else? Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do we bridge the gap? I mean, how do we uh, bridge the gap? You know, how do we do that? I use that old data, man. Yeah, the uh, data. Yeah, I pull, okay. that, I pull that data up. Yep. You know, okay. Let's look at your test score. Sure. Since you're a person that says, I don't need to have a relationship with these humans right. that you're trying to share information with, then let's look at your test scores. If your test scores are trash, mm -hmm. it probably means that you're having an input-output problem, just like with a computer. Mm -hmm. The cable that you're using to connect them is not proper. The language that you're using, the structure of your classroom, maybe even your seating arrangement is not conducive to connecting. It might look like a disconnect. Mm -hmm. So let's change something and see if we can get a better output. Right, right. So tell me about what about your in you've 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 been around. Have you ever had to experience uh, that somebody was being you know racist toward you toward you in the job field? Absolutely. Uh, anytime that you're trying to change parameters, there's going to be some resistance because people find comfort in systems. Yeah. Even racist systems. Right. There's a hierarchy in this nation that has been established. People are comfortable there. They don't want anything shaken up. Right. Um, so they will express to you that your kind of progress is not my kind of progress. I don't want to grow together. I want to grow and I want you to stagnate. Right. Yeah. That, that's been something that, you know, uh, all my life I've dealt with because my parents both being educators. Yeah. You know, we've lived in places where it was just me. Right. Or just a handful. Right. But you have to accept the place that people put you in. Now, there are certain, there are certain high up structures that it's going to take way more than me to change. Right. Right. But everything interme intermediate and in my little sphere. 
Right. I'm doing something about that. Right. Right. So how does Andre cultivate a safe place or a safe space? I try to lead with respect. I know I'm not going to always get it back. I know that. Right. But once I lead with it, it removes any excuse you have for disrespecting me. Mm, absolutely. Therefore, if you disrespect me, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Right. You know, it's going to be easily easily seen that I'm not the issue. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to shrink or bow down. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Even when I have disrespectful things to talk about. Yeah, right. I can speak about it in a respectful manner because right. we, we know the stigma. Right. If I'm a big black man. If I get loud, yeah, I get labeled. Right, right. You, you're absolutely right, man. That that happened to that that happened to me, man. And they laugh at me because they say, "Why are you getting upset?" I'm not getting upset. Right. I'm just passionate about what I do. Absolutely. You don't understand that they put me in a position here, and if I don't run this position according according to the to the policy and procedures, guess what? They're gonna find somebody else. To take to do this, to take this, you know, to do this job and not on my watch. You know, I have to and they don't understand, you know, that uh, being a black man or a black person, you have to work almost three times as hard as, you know, a white person. That's that's just that's just it. That's just the way we were raised. You know, so I'm just letting you know, man, I'm they tell me all the time that they they, they think that uh, I'm, I'm angry. I'm not angry. Right, and, I'm not and, angry. And that that passion has a place. Yeah, you right. Can't, you can't stifle it. Uh, right. There have been instances throughout my journey in education where I've had to speak up in meetings and get a strong point across. Right. And I always preface it with this: I need you to understand where I'm coming from. I need you to feel where I'm coming from. Right. Because right. this is a this is a personal thing for me. Right. Doing a great job is personal for me. Absolutely. Moving the needle is personal for me. That's right. Showing I'm achievement about. is personal. Right. And, and when I preface it with that, I'm preparing them for whatever strong statement <laughs> follows. Because if I don't prepare them for it, oh, they're the, gonna be hit. The fragility comes out. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah. And so and then a lot of you know women you know are black women are, are, are labeled as. Uh, a angry black woman, you know, just because she's trying to express herself, you know, but you know, that's just, it shouldn't be that way. You know, it shouldn't be that way. So tell me it's time now to celebrate, celebrate diversity. How are we going to do that? Okay. I think uh, data celebrates diversity. Yeah. Uh, surveys that come from employees as well as the people we serve celebrate diversity. Yeah. Uh, we just had a, a Fox 44 uh, expose on this uh, water safety program that we have for children out at the school where I work. Right. So that, that should be on the news tonight. That's a way to celebrate because we're getting families and children water safety classes that have typically right. not had that available to them. Right. You know, and they're free. So we celebrate by service. Uh, I guess that's what I'm getting down to. The, the 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 random celebration one month a year or every now and then, that's that's kind of meaningless to me. Right. Uh, by continuing to serve our communities with equity, that's the true celebration. Right. So how would you how would you handle a situation where, you know, one of your colleagues, another educator, you know, was leaving a kid, being culturally uh insensitive, you know, uh homophobic or whatever the case may be. How would you handle that, man? Uh, I try to have a conversation with them based around a time when they were misunderstood. And I ask that question directly. Well, can you tell me a time when you felt like you were misunderstood? 
you know, in your adolescence. Mm-hmm. And once they get to sharing a time where they were misunderstood, usually the tears come. Yeah. Because then they're saying, hey, I felt this way when I was 12 and I was misunderstood. And now I just made this 12 year old feel this way. And that doesn't give me a space to condemn the adult. It gives me a space to help the adult raise their level. Right. And then we go back and we reconnect with this young person and we go to another level together. You just showed him, made him aware. Empathy. Right, exactly. Empathy. Exactly. Who was your uh, motivator? My mother and my father, mm-hmm. uh, both black educators. My father graduated with a master's from Baylor in the 60s. And we both from around here, so we know how tough that was. Right, right. My mother came from a family where women were not traditionally going to college. Mm -hmm. And through my grandmother's efforts, you know, my grandfather, who was, you know, Mm old-fashioned, my mama went to college. Mm -hmm. So so they're my inspiration, you know, coming from two great educators. And I'm not a classroom teacher per se, Mm -hmm. but I use my talents to still try to push education forward. You're doing a great job, man. I appreciate you. I really appreciate you coming on the Icon Leadership Show today. Glad to be here. Uh, Pretty soon, man, we're going to have a a roundtable with a whole bunch of great minds come together, man. We're going to do this. All right. That's all, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Icon Leadership Podcast. You can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com or you can email us at iconleadership at gmail.com or our website, which is iconleadership.org.